0: Tennessee, God had called my dad to work at the Sword of the Lord, and he worked there for, I think, 30 years, long time, but he wasn't used to the area of Tennessee, and we went down, and I was just three years old at the time, and I remember us going into this field, we were looking at a piece of property, and the grass was probably up to our waist, and we had never heard of these little critters that are in the grass, and and we, we just hiked out into this field looking at the land. We were out there for probably about an hour. I remember that night when I was at home, I, I was on fire. You know what those little critters are called? Chiggers. I hear you saying them. You know them. Chiggers. My dad had no clue what a chigger was, being from up north in Michigan. So we found out. I remember him calling my mom and because my mom was from Mississippi and saying, what do you do about these chiggers? So we got into some kind, I remember getting into some kind of bath, and I don't know if we put fingernail, but I don't know where we would get fingernail polish. But anyway, trying to figure out a way to to cure these chiggers, it was rough. Um, But that was one story I remember about my dad. We still laugh about that, because he was covered pretty much too at that time. But there's a lot of things I could say about my father being Father's Day. I had a chance to talk with him a little bit today. But he's a man who loved God. He's a man, he was not perfect. But a man who loved his children and uh, he's a, he's a counselor now. And so I get the privilege of calling him from time to time and he encourages me and talks to me from God's word regarding life. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for my dad and what he's doing. Well, let me say thank you to Central Calvary. It's been good to be here with you today and have the opportunity to preach and to give you God's word. Um, I've already, you've already seen my family, so I won't introduce them again, but I'm grateful for my family grateful for my wife. Um, She helps me. In fact, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be forgetting a lot of things. And I'm thankful that she's there. I I know she's patient with me. Everywhere we go, I give her the keys. I give her my wallet. I hate having things in my pockets. Um, So she just, she really is, she takes care of me. And I appreciate her. I appreciate the ministry. I keep trying to get her up to the pulpit, and she always shakes her head no. Um, Just to talk about Uganda, I'm going to get her up here one of these days. Um, She has a tremendous ministry to the ladies there in Uganda. My kids, you saw my daughter bouncing up and down with the little kids, and I appreciate her effort. We're going to be taking her to college at Pensacola Christian College in the fall. There's going to be a lot of tears, um, probably some from daddy too, but we're going to miss Eliana very much. And thankful for the work that she's done in Uganda We've seen her grow up into a godly young lady, excited to see what God is going to do in her life. And uh, all the way down, I could say something about each one of the kids. I appreciate Elijah. You know, I'm thankful. You know, growing up around four girls, I was a little concerned. But uh, he's all man. And i you can even tell by his beard. And <laughs> I was jealous. He had that at, what, 14 years old. He had a beard. And in Uganda, the guys there, they, they can't, they look at him all the time, even the ones that are 21. And they have a hard time having any facial hair at all, so they get real jealous of him. Thank you for praying for Elise as well. Pray for uh, May 20, June 24th. We're gonna be taking her to Shriners again. This is gonna be the, the, the regular furlough checkup, seeing what they'll be able to do for her. You've seen her walking. And we praise the Lord for that. Uh, we're just going to be looking to see how else God's going to help her uh, be able to, to be more independent. And they have opportunities for other wheelchairs and other apparatuses, some more leg braces, shoes, all of these things that we'll look at getting while we're back here in the States. So continue to pray for her, and she's had a tremendous ministry as well in Uganda with the handicap there, and just being able to show a love towards someone who many times the handicapped are cast aside, cast away. They don't care about them in Uganda. But we get to have a shining light out there that is able to show the love of Christ through her life. And we're very grateful and thankful for her. And Alexis and Laura, I just praise the Lord for all of my children. Thankful for the family God has given to me. Let's go to Philippians, please. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 19. Philippians four sixteen through 19. And we're going to be discussing the gift that keeps on giving. The gift that keeps on giving. Uganda being a country of, it's, it's amazing for the size of Oregon or the size of Missouri. Um, they have a population of about 45 million people. I know that's quite a bit more than the population of Missouri. Uh, so a lot of refugees have come from Sudan, come from the Congo, come from Rwanda. So just just a lot of a lot of refugees have entered into Uganda, which has created a lot of opportunity. We have missionaries that have gone into Uganda just to be able to speak and deal with the refugees, and there have been churches started, uh, souls have been saved, and people are being transformed in the Word of God. So we're very grateful for that. But you can imagine how many people are in a, a, quite, a, quite, a, quite a small area. We've, we were started, if you followed our ministry, and some of you have followed us pretty much throughout the whole time, but we were able to start in Masaka, work with Pastor Key Stences, see a church going there, and then we moved to the village, had a, a Christian school, about 300 students, which, praise the Lord, God is still working in, the Tellmans are working there today, another missionary family that we partnered with, and also had a church, and I loved our church structure because it was built by the people, clapboard structure, iron sheets, and uh, we had people coming, walking, we had some ladies walking from I mean an hour, an hour and a half away, just to come to church. When people are excited about being at church, it excites the pastor, it excites the missionary, and uh, they just enjoyed singing and Now we're at Faith Baptist Church, Namagongo, Chaliwajala, and excited on what God is doing. You have seen the land uh, on the video. We're uh, getting the approvals now for them to begin building the church. We're excited about that starting, kind of got put on hold because of COVID. It's amazing how many of the government offices just completely shut down. I mean, really for a year, you couldn't get anybody in their offices. I think it was the second strain that went through the Delta virus that really brought a scare to Uganda. The first strain, people didn't really care. They thought it was another just, I mean, these people go through a lot of sickness and disease. You can imagine malaria, typhoid, um, all kinds of of viruses that are around. So they just thought, hey, this is another one. The first strain, not much happened. But boy, the second strain, hospitals were full. Um, People were dying. I mean, points instances to where the wealthy would come in and they would they would see an oxygen tank and because they were so limited and people were demanding oxygen so much, they would bribe a nurse to take oxygen off someone who was poor that had it so that their relative could have, have, have the oxygen. So it was just an unreal situation that was going on at that time. We even had a missionary friend of ours who passed away during that time, tragic situation. And uh, So pray, if you remember the name Joyner, pray for Mrs. Joyner. As she is continuing, she's staying in Uganda, she lost her husband, he had a thriving church going on and a national pastor has now taken that church and it is still moving on. But COVID was a, a life-changing situation for a lot of people. Uganda, being a lot different than the States... To the point where, really, they had a government shut down, but they also shut down, really, the entire capital and the rest of the country. I remember a lawyer friend of ours gave, gave a call to us and said, Listen, this hasn't been announced, but in about two or three days, they're going to have everybody stay in their homes. You're not going to be able to leave your compound. You're going to be in complete isolation. You're not going to be able to go out. So, praise the Lord, we were able to go out at that time and get enough food to put in our house so that we could be there for a week or two weeks without, you know, having to go out to get anything. More, more of a military state, I guess you would say. So our churches were closed for pretty much a year. We were without being at church. And that was hard for this boy who's grown up going to church and, and having to be at the house. Thank the Lord being in the Capitol, we were able to do live streaming. Um, a lot of our people in the church at Faith Baptist have internet keep up the truth being preached to those and YouTube. And so a lot of our people had the opportunity to be able to look on YouTube. I praise the Lord for that. But finally, when we got back to church, what was exciting to me is that people, a lot of people were ready to come back. Even though there was a struggle for some, there was a lot of them who were ready to come back and have fellowship with one another. That was a huge blessing to me and to Pastor Dan Dwyer. So as our church is continuing to develop, we thank you for your prayers regarding that, and please continue to do it, and we'll look forward to seeing what God does on our property. Um, we have a lot of plans there in the community. We had the opportunity to give out a lot of food, so we've endeared ourselves to the community through that, and then just going house to house and meeting a lot of them and letting them know that there's, there's a, a church here that loves them, and there's a, there's a God who loves them, and we're going to look forward to seeing how many people are going to come to Christ. Philippians four sixteen through nineteen. Let's look at these passages here tonight. Philippians four sixteen through nineteen says, and this is Paul talking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again into my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. The verse you probably could all quote here in verse 19. says, But my God shall supply all your need, according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Tonight we're going to talk about the gift that keeps on giving, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You. I thank you for all those who have come out tonight, and we, we've seen so much love through Central Calvary, and we praise you for that, and we thank this church for really being another home church to us. We ask that your Holy Spirit will work in lives tonight as we discuss this passage together. Your name be glorified, and Lord, I'm just a vessel to be used for your glory. I thank you for the privilege that we've had to be in Uganda for 20 years You've given us the health and the ability and our family to be there, and we're looking forward to another 20 years, if it be your will, Lord. We just want you to guide and direct and lead us, as we ask you to do in the hearts and lives of everyone here tonight. We give you all praise in your precious name. Amen. The first thing we would see here in the gift that keeps on giving, we look at Paul's life we see that, you know, in life there's the opportunity for us to grumble, to have anxiety, and really lately, boy, I tell you what, there's a lot of things people could look at and grumble about if they wanted to. The inflation I talked about this morning, the gas prices, I mean, us going into the grocery store and seeing the price of milk and the price of eggs and the price of meat, and unbelievable how much things have gone up in, you know since we've been back in Uganda. But as we look at what God has done for us, We see through life how those of us, and I mentioned this morning, who are the children of God, Paul has said and God has told us that we understand He's a God of peace, a peace that passes all understanding. And even though we struggle in our lives, and I don't know what you've been through this last year, these last two years. I'm sure if people were to stand up and just divulge their heart and divulge the things they've gone through, we would hear a lot of circumstances. Many of them dire, loss of loved ones. Some unexpectedly, some knowingly. Maybe situations of losing a job because of the COVID situation. Maybe just wondering, hey, how am I going to have the money to be able to pay my bills? Or am I going to lose my house? There's all kinds of things that we struggle with in our lives. And it's easy for us to get into that slow of despond. Get depressed. Struggle. But as we turn our eyes on God, and I know Paul did this, he's, he's in prison here writing this passage to the Philippian church. And, and tonight what I want to do is I want to praise Central Calvary for how you have taken care of us. Really in the last, uh, since 2005 we were full time, but really going back to 2002. How you have taken care of us. Not just in a physical sense, but also an emotional sense, and we'll go there in a moment. But Paul is thanking the church of Philippi. He doesn't say it in the passage, thank you. But he says, hey, you have supplied my needs. You have loved me. I'm in prison. I've been here for a while. But yet you have thought once and again about me. And about my mission, and about what God has called me to do. I've talked to missionaries, and quite a few of them feel like they've been forgotten. Some of them have never had anyone come visit them. Um, I remember our partners at the time, Keith Stens' family, uh, they said when we were there in Uganda that they had been there for 10 years at the time, and not one person had come over there in Uganda to visit them at all. And that struck me because we probably had, at that point, probably two or three different people come to visit us, some different pastors come to visit us, But I'm thankful that we have such a strong group of supporting churches, Central Calvary being one of them. And let me say a big thank you from me, from our family, for how you have spent the time supporting us and loving us. But Paul says, even though I'm here, I'm thankful. Even though I'm in a situation where most people could grumble, I have peace. Do you have peace tonight? Has God given you a peace in your life? Amidst all you're facing in your struggles, maybe health issues you've gone through, do you have peace? If you don't, I encourage you, understand that God wants you to have a peace. He wants to give you that peace, and you can have that peace as you trust in God, as you give yourselves completely to Him. As you look around you and say, God, thank you for all you have done for me. A peace. The church is giving Meets the needs of God's servant, servants, and this is what Paul is telling the church of Philippi. He's expressing is you're meeting my needs. You know, we couldn't be on the mission field if it wasn't for churches, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for uh, 39 other churches that help support us. We could not be doing what we're doing. We're very thankful for that. We look at the time of COVID, and we would not have been able to stay on the field and have have food on our table and all of that that took place. Uh, during that time, if it wasn't for the church meeting our needs. We're grateful for what God, the church's God has given to us. So we see the church's giving meets the needs of God's servant, physical needs. Paul here, as he's writing in prison, he's reminiscing. He's thinking about the church of Philippi and how even in the past, not at this moment, of how they've met his needs. And I've spent lately, since we've been in Uganda 20 years, just a lot of time reminiscing of how God is taking care of us through a lot of difficult circumstances. through times we thought we were going to have to leave the field and come back to the States. And we did at some point because of some situations, difficulties with having our children. I praise the Lord we have all healthy children. And I'm thankful for how Lord spared Elise's life when we thought that that wasn't going to take place. But through dire situations, we look at our lives and we see, God, thank you for meeting those physical needs but also meeting emotional needs. Emotional needs. I am sure Paul became hungry for Christian fellowship, and there was one name mentioned in this passage. You remember the name? Epaphroditus, yes. I look at Epaphroditus, and I, I praise the Lord for men and people like Epaphroditus. They were taking the love of the church of Philippi, and they were coming to Paul. And they were bringing all that to Paul, and having someone who can sit down and share with Paul and speak with Paul of what is going on in Philippi. And the missionaries of old didn't really have an opportunity uh, to to have what we have today in the social media and the Zoom and being able to be up on a live screen in a church, sometimes live. It's kind of scary. You know, we when we first went to Uganda we had churches calling us, we haven't had it so much lately, but wanting us to be part of their mission conference live. Now we are eight hours ahead Um, and so there were some churches we had to get up at three in the morning and be live on their big screen. That's kind of unnerving when you, you know, we had to set your alarm clock for, you know, 15 minutes before the call and then try to make sure you're awake. And I think one time our alarm clock didn't go off. And so we got woke, we got woken up to the phone call, (laughs) And so we were sitting there trying to get our mind in gear and make sure that we, cause this was a big church. I mean, a church of probably, it had to be over, probably over a thousand people, I think. And so you're, you're trying to wake yourself up, but you're also realizing, hey, this is an opportunity. We get to speak on a phone to somebody way across the world and to share what God is doing. We have that opportunity now to have that connection. There's only really no excuse for us not to have the connection with the church. But the church, as we have this connection, as the missionaries of old didn't have that, we have that today. We're able to have fellowship. We're able to let others know what is happening. We're able to communicate. Just on social media, we had recently um, a church communicating with me. I guess they were praying for us on Wednesday nights. And I remember getting just like four or five, you hear your phone, ding, 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 four or five different texts of people saying, we're praying for you. We just read your update letter. Thank you for the work you're doing for our Lord. So these are things that take place to meet those emotional needs, and I'm thankful Paul didn't have that. He had Epaphroditus come, maybe with a letter, with the food, with maybe some medical help there in prison. Paul was thankful. He was grateful. He maintained having that peace. So we see the physical needs, the emotional needs being met. Secondly, we see the church is giving matters for eternity. Not only when you give physically, you know, with money for our support, as well as emotionally you keep in contact with us, what you are giving matters for eternity. I want you to understand at Central Calvary that what you see up here on the screen, what we have talked about that has taken place over the last 20 years as you have been a part of that ministry of ours, It goes to your account. You are a part of what God is doing through us. And I want to say thank you for that, but I want you to understand that God directly blesses the churches that give to spread the gospel around the world. You're a part of that. You have been a part of that. These ones that have been saved through our ministry, and I can go through and mention so many different names of people who have come to Christ that are still serving God in the ministry. One young man, George William, who I've uh, just been able to talk with recently, he was a young man that came to our ministry in the village. He was a secondary headmaster, or secondary, I call him a principal, I guess, administrator here. I had the privilege of seeing him come to Christ, and he just soaked up the Word of God. He loved to to memorize verses and has, has basically a photographic memory, which... Kind of makes me ill when somebody's able just to read the Bible and memorize it. I don't know if any of you have that. I don't. But uh, if you have it, praise the Lord. I, I have to work hard at it. But George William just soaking up God's Word. And now he's been able to go out and help start a church. We've seen that church thrive. He started another ministry to help other national pastors. It's called Renew in the area. God's just blessing this young man and his family. We've seen him get married, and now he's had, I think, two children. They have two children now. Looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in his life. But you, to your account, Central Calvary has had a part in seeing what George William is doing there in Uganda. Another name I can mention that just gave me another on social media message is Mattia. Mattia was a young man who we saw grow up from first grade in our school, just has entered university. He's getting a medical degree. In administration, uh, he wants to be able to help maybe run a hospital or be a part of that someday. And, but he's he's he loves the Lord and he wants to see God use him. He's been back to our village ministry in Embiida. And we saw him come to Christ at an early age and soak up the Word of God and learning the truth. Central Calvary, you have a part in that. And that is to your account. Now these are fruits that are going to last for eternity. This is something that remains forever. I know we have a lot of material possessions, and Americans love to have their toys. As we traveled to California, we saw a lot of those toys. I've never seen such big RVs pulling pulling all these nice boats and pulling. I mean, it's just going up and down the road. They have. I know it's over what probably two hundred thousand dollars. I don't even know how much those things cost. But America loves their toys. But you know what? Those toys are going to fade away. They're not going to last forever. Yeah, they're fun to have probably for a short period of time, but they're not going to give peace for eternity. What we are doing and what we have been doing in Uganda and what you are doing and giving to promote the work of God throughout the world, those are the things that matter for eternity. Those are the fruits that will remain, and not only will they remain, but they are the fruits that remain on your account as you give. I know it's not easy to give. It's a sacrifice. For a lot of people to be able to give, God's placed on your heart. We have faith faith promise. Do you have faith promise here, brother? I think you do. We have faith promise that we've started in Uganda, and we've seen our people give sacrificially to meet the needs. It's amazing to be in an environment. We've never had this happen before, that in Kampala, our people are meeting the missions budget every month. And we have 10, I think it's 10 different ministries that we are supporting, other national pastors, some radio ministries, providing some electricity to keep them going. Um, also, we're looking to take on another missionary, a national pastor out in Rwanda, who was in our ministry. God's working, and we're trying to help them understand this sacrifice that you are giving is on your account and a fruit that will remain. All the souls that are saved, all the churches that will begin through you giving, it's added to your account. What a blessing. To know that what you're giving is making an impact all around the world. And I want to encourage you with that. And please continue, even though I know sometimes it becomes very difficult. The church is giving matters for eternity. It is fruit that remains. It is filling your accounts. There's rewards in heaven. I've thought about that. You ever thought about rewards in heaven? You know, it's something that is exciting to think about. But as a little kid... I always wondered, you hear about all these crowns? Ever thought about that, Pastor? You know, as a kid, you you imagine a lot of things, but I'm thinking, how am I going to have four crowns on my head? Walking around in heaven, you know, I don't know what these crowns are going to look like. But I realized as I got older, it's not about a physical crown. Even though I believe, as the Word of God tells us, yes, there are certain crowns that are given for certain aspects of our Christian living and what we do for the Lord. But being able to give back to God what He has given to me. He has given so much to me that I don't deserve. We talked about this morning, God's mercy, God's love. What He's done for me, just even in the death on the cross. And yet, I get to spend my life serving Him. But as we all, as you all are sacrificially giving, you will gain rewards. And when we get to heaven, and Lord willing, one day as He looks down on us and is able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is an exciting thing for me to think about. Knowing that God is pleased with what I have done. And it's not for my own glory, but it's for His glory. Whether therefore I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, I do all for God's glory. And that's what matters. Those are the things as we look at, as we focus on, that make a difference forever. And that should encourage all of us. Thirdly, we see the church's giving pleases God. The church's giving pleases God. Let's go back to our passage here, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And let's start in verse 16. Started, sorry, let's go to verse 18. It says, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. You know, there's a way that we need to give. I know some people give begrudgingly. Maybe they do it out of, and I know as I was taught growing up, a lot of times there's a lot of pressure put on, either you give or God's going to judge. And so a lot of people would be coming up, giving their money, or putting their money in the offering, and man, they were just having a hard time letting go of that money. They were thinking about all the things that they could be doing with it. I don't know if you've ever been there. There's been times in my life when I've done that. And I, I admit that. I raise my hand. But as we look and see the importance of the way we give out of a heart of love to God, that way of giving pleases God. And Paul here is saying you sacrificially giving as the church of Philippi, doing it with the right heart, making sure you're doing it as unto the Lord and not as the Pharisees were doing unto men, so you could be seen. That is a, a, a sweet, pleasing aroma to me. I like that. If we look at this passage, and we understand it goes back to the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. And as people, as the priests were setting up these sacrifices, they had a certain way they had to do it. In fact, their hearts had to be right. They had to make sure, the high priest had to make sure that that he was pleasing before God in his heart and there was no sin that was in his heart before going into the Holy of Holies or they were going to be dragging him out because that little bell was going to stop ringing and they were going to have to pull him out. That's why he had that rope tied to his feet. We need to make sure that our hearts, and thank the Lord that at the moment of salvation, we talked about this this morning, that righteousness that is imputed unto us through Jesus Christ. God can look at us through His Son, through the, the blood that He shed and that covered us. He sees us as someone that is righteous and that is holy. But we still battle with this flesh until we get a glorified body. When we do things, we need to do it out of a heart of love for God. Out of a heart of peace, knowing what God has given to us. The church's giving pleases God when it's done with a heart that is right before God. Finally, we'll look at last tonight. The church church's giving promotes a promise, and I love this last point. The church's giving promotes a promise. As we've seen in verse 18 that sweet smell, sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. We see verse 19. And really, as you start in verse 16 and you work your way to verse 19, you understand what this verse 19 is saying. But my God shall supply all your need, according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Three things to look at here that I think will make a lot better sense in this passage, because this passage has been taken out of context, Pastor, a lot of times. Many times people have supplanted the word need with Want. And if I do what's right before God and I give my life to God, He's going to give me everything I want. And that is prevalent in Uganda. The health and wealth mentality, the prosperity gospel is everywhere there. And people are going to church and they're, they're hoping that if they can be there and they give their life to God and the pastors are telling them, you give us your house or your car or you give us your money. Go take out a loan that God's going to double it and triple it and you're going to be blessed and you're going to have all these riches and wealth. What happens? They end up becoming disillusioned. Because they misunderstood the whole purpose and premise It's about giving our lives. It's about trusting in God. And we don't expect and we never should. And Paul sitting here in prison. (laughs) That we're not going to have trials and tribulations and struggles in our lives. But God does make a promise here. And let's look at that. First of all, we see this promise. We see who is making the promise. We know it is God. But my God. I love how Paul says that. But my God. This is personal. Can you say that about God in your life? He's my God. Not that we're elevating ourselves over Him. That doesn't mean that at all. But that He is true to me. I've gotten to know who He is. I've understood His characteristics and what they mean for me in my life. That's carried me through so many trials. Knowing that what God promises, because He is my God, He's going he's to carry them through. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows my frame, as I talked about this morning. He knows my weaknesses. He knows what I need. He's my God. He promises to never leave me or forsake me. I love what the song that Brad sang, Never Alone. Never Alone. I've read... So many missionary biographies where missionaries were all alone. Some lost their wives, their kids, shortly getting after, shortly getting to the field. I just read one recently about a lady and her husband that went off to the, the islands in the, in the South Seas and this was right at World War II and, and the Japanese came in and they were put into a concentration camp basically and they spent three years there. Her husband died. She just felt so alone. And she was talking about, through this whole experience, I mean, things that you could never imagine taking place in someone's life, she endured. But one thread ran through her story in that she had such a close relationship with her God. She was only in her early 20s when this took place. And yet God, once, time and time again, was showing her reminding her of the promises that she had read about in Scripture. And she was able to withstand all of that pressure, all of the torture, all of the trial, and to come out of it and continue to say, My God. Continue to praise the Lord for the trials that she went through. I got finished actually listening to it. I was listening to it on audiobook, and I said, Lord, Help me never to gripe or complain again. I have no excuse. God carries out His promises. We know He's my God, if you have a relationship with Him. What is the promise? Secondly, what is the promise? My God shall supply all your need. Yes, we can look at this in in senses monetary. But it's more than that. Monetary, in the sense, he does promise us in the New Testament, he will continue to give us food and raiment. That's hard to stop there, isn't it? Instead of food and raiment, let us be there with what content, contentment. I look at my own life and I say, "Wow, you know, well, maybe you could add, you know, God, a house, and, and, and you know, I, I, you know, maybe a nice pickup truck and." You know, th- those are those are needs we need, tra- but, you know, those are above and beyond, really. We're thankful for the house, the roof we have over our head. Thankful for the transportation we have. Thankful for the ability to have medical, even though it's getting a lot more expensive these days. Insurance. These are all above and beyond. But God continues to say, I'm going to supply your needs." And it, it's not the same for every person. There are things that God will supply and give to someone who He looks at. It's God who sees it as your need, not me. I think we kind of miss that concept. Don't we argue with God sometime and say, "God, I've been praying for you, praying to you for a year about this need that I have, and I'm not getting anything. Are you even there? Are you listening to me?" God's looking down and saying, I don't think it's your need right now. It's hard to swallow. But we trust God. And when we continue to trust God, He gives us the ability to go through whatever we are facing. It's God who's making the promise. He says He's going to supply our needs. And this not just be monetarily, this could be emotionally. It could be something you're facing as you go through depression and you say, Lord, I need help. I can't handle this on my own. I can't make it through this time. I need you right now, Lord. And then God reaches down and we can think imaginary with his hand. He lifts us up and holds us and carries us through those deep, dark passages that we go through That's part of him supplying your need. It's according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He understands all that you are facing and all that you are going through. And I praise him for that. And then as we see the last part of the passage, according to his riches and glory. Do you believe that God is able to fulfill your need? His promises to you. He has all the riches. He has all the capability. Sometimes I think we look at God as being Anemic, not able to do what we want Him to do. And I think a lot of that is because it's what we're wanting Him to do and not what He wants to do through us. But God, as you trust in Him, is capable to help you accomplish whatever. As Pastor Dan and I, our partners there in Uganda, as we were discussing, wow, it's expensive to be here in the capital. I mean, we were able to get a piece of land in the village, I mean, acreage of land. And and have a building and put up a school and you know we were able to do so much for about the same amount of money we were looking at for three plots of land in the capital. We were going, Lord, I don't know how this is gonna this is gonna take place, but we knew God wanted us. He had pointed out that we need to start a church, and actually was showing us this piece of land. And so we began praying about it, and and we didn't even really put it out to our our churches. Um, we just said, Lord, we want you to provide. Hey, we did. Oh, I'm shaking your head, yes. I, I was trying to remember there. Anyway. So we were just saying, Lord, you do what you want. And I'll never forget, and it was, it was, I think it was before church, if I remember correctly. I got this, I got this message, email. And it was somebody who had known us, an individual, that had read our update letter and said, hey, we want to provide the money for this land. For you to understand this, this was seventy, almost $70,000. One individual had said, we want to help you. What we thought was maybe impossible, you know, in our little faith, God said, no, I feel like this is a need for you, and I want you to accomplish this. We're going to help you to accomplish it. So we went on to the next step. We said, Lord, this is great. Now we have the money for the land, even though it's taken two years for us to secure it with all COVID and everything. Now we had to think about putting up building, which a lot more expensive to build there in the Capitol. You saw the 3D structure. It's not going to be all like that. We're not going to have a glass pulpit, okay? Um, this is just a rendering. But excited of what God is going to do. He's already shown us, hey, I'm behind this. And as we continue praying, we had another church come alongside us and give us the money to help start the structure. And hopefully we'll be able to see a structure put up that we can meet in come next Easter. God is great. God is a God of the impossible. and We praise Him for what He will do because He has everything that is needed for His will to be accomplished in each one of our lives. That's exciting. We've seen that time and time and time again. And I encourage these young people that we've had a part of in their lives to let them understand, yes, you're in a country where it's going to be difficult to find a job. You're in a country that it's it's hard to have enough money to meet your needs, especially if you're called to be a pastor. But, and they've read the biographies, they've heard the stories, but they also have read the scripture where it says, My God shall supply all your need. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God will do through the lives of these young people that we've had a part in, the George William, the Matia, the Nambasa um, The, the Bryans, the, you know, the Ruths, there are, there are so many I could name that we've been able to have a part of in their lives and seeing what God's gonna do in their lives as they continue to trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We can't lean on our understanding because we don't see the whole picture. God does. But I encourage you, please continue to give the gift that keeps on giving. And I know it's a sacrifice, but God's going to bless. Let's, let's close our eyes and bow our heads and as we think about our own lives and we maybe just peer into our, our struggle, we look into our heart. The Holy Spirit has a way of penetrating. I know in my own heart, in my own life, times where we fail to trust. Maybe we try to do it in our own strength, our own power. Maybe we've given up. We've said, God, it's impossible. I hope that through this these verses in this